Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada, and I'm with Dan Rudman. And it has been a long time since we did a podcast episode. We ended in May, I think, with interviews with some of Dan's friends on leadership. And yep. then I communicated in, in at the end of those episodes that we were then going to do some episodes just kind of diving in more into like, okay, what is the definition of leadership? What do we mean by this? Yeah. And... Uh, why is this just a reality in the world that we live in that we that there's leaders everywhere? It's just a, it's kind of a fact of life that leadership exists and then really what we want to do now is just kind of ground leadership biblically Where do we see it in scripture? What are some good examples in scripture of leadership and put a definition on it and then kind of work through that definition? That's what we're gonna do in this episode is we're gonna Go right back to Genesis. We're going to see where hierarchy and you could say then, therefore, leadership is just something that exists right off the bat. Mm-hmm. We're going to give a definition, and then we're going to start working through that definition. And we're probably only going to get through just like the first portion of the definition. We're, I'm not going to give it yet, but we'll give the definition, and then we're just going to work through like the first aspect of it. So I don't know. Two, three, four episodes, in a sense, maybe, where yep. we are working through Sounds good. a definition of leadership, and all the while, hopefully, uh, grounding these aspects in Scripture. Okay, where do we see yep. this in Scripture? So that's kind of the plan. That's the that's the general overview of what we're going to do next. But just kind of as a little uh, side note, uh, I moved down to Kansas City uh, area where you know Dan lives just south of Lawrence, Kansas, so I live about 35, 40 minutes away from him. Um, and uh, just started working on my PhD at Midwestern, so that's why we haven't done an episode for a couple months because I've been moving and resettling into life and yeah. all that stuff. And Yeah, and, and you know, you're talking about leadership, and <clears throat> I've been giving leadership to the ministry we're both part of, yeah. the FCI. Because uh, you're our nas- national director now. Yeah, I suppose that's the title. <laughs> you are? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's you have, your title. Yeah, yeah, that's my title. Okay. You're a leader. But, <laughs> I'm just, yeah. Somebody gave me a title. Okay. So anyway, but seriously, we I have been uh, uh, up to my neck in alligators, not alligators, but just serious stuff for a few months, addressing issues and policies and all sorts of stuff. So uh, this is we kind of feel like we've kind of waded through a bunch of really awesome stuff. And uh, we're at a point now that we can start kind of, you've moved here and settle got, in, get yep, into a routine. had a few months of getting a bunch of business done. And yeah, so now we can start regularly doing this. This could be awesome. Yeah. And yeah, before, I mean, you, if you guys have listened to this podcast for all, you probably maybe heard me say at one point, because, you know, Dan live, lives in Kansas and I was living up in Fargo, North Dakota. Like, we did this virtually. So, mm-hmm. you know, we would do a Google Hangout and Dan would record his audio on his side and I'd record it on my side and then. He'd upload it to a shared Google Doc, and then I'd put it together in Final Cut Pro. And so now, I mean, we're we're in the same room now. Yeah. So we actually get to see each other, you know, face to face. Yeah, this would be fun. <laughs> this would be fun. Get to see more of each other's body language and all that type of stuff, which probably gets us more riled up and who knows. But Yeah, two preachers yelling at each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a room. <laughs> That'd be interesting, yeah. Okay. But So, yeah, that's just a little uh, side note. Just so kind anyway, of up, update on life, update and, on, and we're not ministry. wearing we're not wearing sweater vests. No, <laughs> anybody, some of you know what that means, some of you don't. Yeah, but no, we'll just leave it there. We're, we got t-shirts, t-shirts and shorts. Yeah, <laughs> and we love sweater vests, by the way. I don't think I have a sweater vest. No, but, but I mean, we like we love sweater vest conversations. Yeah, we do. So if you know what that is, yep, you'll know what we're talking about. Exactly. We'll just leave that there. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Leadership. Okay, so back to Genesis and. I'll say, if you want us, if you want to get the fuller picture of Genesis one through three, go back to our manhood and womanhood series that we did, did man yeah. and woman, God's idea. Go back to the, the episode that we did on Genesis one through three, and we're, we flesh that out more of what's going on in Genesis. But we're just kind of start in Genesis just to say, hey, here's the reality: hierarchy, which is kind of a, it's a. It's a bad word these days. <laughs> it's a cuss word. It's a cuss word, and it's a connotation word, and people hate the idea of hierarchy. Uh, and yet, everybody knows that hierarchy exists. It doesn't matter where you go in life, there's people that have authority over you, whether it's your government, your governing rulers, 
uh, police officers within the police forces hierarchy. There's a chief, military. There's that is the clearest expression of like a chain of command and hierarchy in the home. You know, obviously we we defended the the belief that the man is the head of the home, uh, and and he has authority in the home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Christ rules over the universe and is you know the head of of the church and the head of everything. He's has authority over everything and he's sovereign over everything. So. It doesn't matter where you go, your business, your job, you have yeah. a boss, you have management, you have a chain of command. Yeah. You know, and there are those, you know, we don't even need to mention their names today. Some of you might know if you're kind of tuned in our podcast and you listen to others. But there's even non-Christians today that we would affirm. I mean, they're saying a lot of cool stuff. Um, I'll just mention one is Jordan Peterson. He, yeah. just, he, he just talks, and again, he's an evolutionary dude. Yeah. Which I wouldn't go there, but he would. Uh, he would. He would say uh, hierarchies built into everything. Everything. You know, his big thing is the lobster thing or something. But, yeah. But it's like the no, animal you, kingdom doesn't matter. You can't. Get, you can't get away from it. It is hardwired into everything. Yep. And that's what, so you're talking about the relational human yep. aspect, but actually, you can't get. It, the point is, you can't get away from it. Can't get away from. And it. you can pretend it doesn't exist, but somewhere you're going to fall into it because it does exist. It's like you can't get around it. Yep. So. Yep. So which means then. That because you can't get around it and it's everywhere and you see it everywhere and it, it really does exist, it's because God made it that way. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the point. So we go back to Genesis where we see the creation of the world. And and right off the bat, uh, let's see here, Genesis 1. Um, let's see here, Genesis 1, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing. That creeps on the earth. So right off the bat, there you see it. He's going to make man in his own image, and they're mm-hmm. going to have dominion, authority over yeah. everything else, all other living yeah. things, the birds, the animals. Yeah. And I love that authority thing, Sam. We've had a lot of discussion in our ministry recently about this, or at least I've been bringing it up, and you know, people are tracking with me. Because even in an organization, you have to determine where authority resides. Right. And we get freaked out by that, and that would be an interesting study, and I've read some things a little more anecdotally. I can't really comment deeply because I haven't spent enough time, but when we think of the last, say, 100 years or so, and maybe it's always been this way, but particularly in our context, there's been this, like, reaction against hierarchy. Yeah. And some would say it was because we saw these tyrannical leaders, this totalitarian leaders, you know, World War One, World War Two, Stalin, yeah. Lenin, Hitler, and there, and there can almost be a reaction to that. Right. Like, oh, we don't want that. Yeah, and then you get into our 1960s here in the West in the United States, and there's this other, utter rebellion against authority. Yeah, and so out of that you end up with these, all these egalitarian ideas. Yep. You end up with oh, team leadership ideas, and in in again, not even there might be aspects of any of that that has has some validity, helpful places in life. Yep, but overall, it seems like it's a rejection of hierarchy. Yep, that God actually created. Yep, and. The reaction is against uh, abuse, right? Misuse, abuse, sin of that hierarchy, right. in, or in within the hierarchy, and so you know. But to to say you throw the whole thing out because somehow it was awry, no, that's the way God made it. Yeah. You throw <laughs> right? the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. So right off the bat, you know, it's not it's not so intuitive. You know, well, it shouldn't be like, okay, why isn't this fish in charge of me? <laughs> yeah. There you well, go. actually, God <laughs> says no. The Yep. Man made in the image of God is going to yeah. be over, have authority over the Very fish, good. The and, birds, and one more, the can I add add one more thing since we're just gabbing away here, or I'm gabbing away? Um, authority. I, it's another thing I, I I want to emphasize. Again, it, in connotation words, there can be. I'm sure somebody could critique what I'm about to say, but I want to move away just for the sake of the way we use words, away from power and control. Yeah. Though I'm not even thinking those words are necessarily have to be terrible, but when we say authority. I think of it as a grace. It's an entrusted sphere of authority because Christ is actually, (laughs) folks, our creator, the Lord Jesus Christ, is authority over everything. This is his world. There's no neutral secular space that's like, well, Christ has control over there, but not over here. It just doesn't work that way. Now, we... opens up a whole new question. But the point is then, in this issue where we're getting into leadership, is then he entrusts <clears throat> an authority to somebody yep. to operate within a cer- certain right. sphere, which then we gets into the word of leadership and jurisdiction. 
Yep. That's how you think about that. Yep. Like, like there's this space that you're supposed to have authority and operate there. Yep. And in a sense, we you, again, we have to be careful with the words power and control, but it's not to damage anything. It's to, no, this is, it's, it's stewardship. It's stewardship and it's supposed to be produced good. Yeah, it's supposed to produce good. So, yep. 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Mm-hmm. And then kind of a, a rephrase again. He says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue it. Like have authority over it. Yep. Uh, yep. Rule it. Yep. That's really what that means. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and every living thing that moves on the earth. Yeah. And God said, behold, uh, I've given you every plant um, yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You, ha- you shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth. Everything that has breath, the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So, boom. The world. The creation. In a sense, that is a jurisdictional sphere. And mankind, male and female, have authority and leadership over it. Yep. They're to subdue it. They have authority over the animals. Yep. So, yep, boom. That's good. So, then, so even subdue, let me let me throw a couple yeah. other things. I, I probably could have said this a minute or two ago before you said that. Let me clarify a couple of things. <clears throat> I like your subdue. Another way to think about that is bringing order. I've always yep. enjoyed that. I know that, again, there's some non-Christian dudes that are talking about that today, but I'm not getting that from them. I think it's always been here. It's bringing order out of disorder. Chaos. Right, which is in the image of God because it's what God did. I mean, if It's you, what he did if we were to have again, gone back yep. earlier in Genesis 1. There's yep. this void and there's this yeah. there's this chaos going on. Yeah, and he comes in and brings order to he it. He brings order. He separates light from darkness. Yep. Land it's really from cool. sea. Yeah, it's a great picture. Sky from, you know, yep. it's like he's doing that and we have to do that as well. Right. And so he created a garden, as I always say. And we said this in our other podcast, it's all repeat, but um, you know, the podcast on manhood and womanhood. But um like he could have created a garden that took care of itself. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. And yet this is really profound, you guys. Like this is we as People have been called, human beings, created in the image of God. He's created a world and put all these pieces laying there on the table and says, you guys get to now creatively put those together. Yep. And so he could have made a garden take care of itself, but he said, no, 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 I want you to actually care for this garden. Yep. <clears throat> and Adam couldn't produce life. He no. couldn't make life. So you think of a seed. A seed actually has life in it. Yep. Now, he can cultivate it. He can care for it. He can put it in its right place, but he can't create life. Right. And it, you go into procreation. It's like, we can't really create life. We get to participate in it, yep. which is really a cool picture, right? Yep. And so that's the idea. Yep. And then he gives them this realm of authority. And the yep. other thing I wanted to say earlier, just a great great example, I probably should have said it, but um, <clears throat> the difference technically in these technical terms that I, I want us to think about at least is power and authority. Power is like the big 20-ton truck coming into an intersection. Mm-hmm. And it, it could plow over every little car, smash stuff up all at once. Mm -hmm. But you could, with the proper authority, you could take a 160-pound man, Mm -hmm. or even in our culture today, a 130-pound woman, Mm -hmm. and you put a uniform on her and put a little badge on on the uniform, Mm -hmm. maybe a car there with a little light flashing around, Mm -hmm. and they can literally put up one hand and stop a 20-ton truck. Yep. Authority. Authority. Different than power. Yep. See, and that's what we're talking about. God actually entrusts authority to people to lead in the first place was that it was authority given to Adam to lead the family, and that's the first line of this authority in the world. You know, I think you're going to share a quote later about that if you wanted to. But the point is, is that everything's under everything is the under the authority of Christ. And then, isn't it interesting? The first place is to this man, right, Adam, and then he creates this woman to come alongside of him, and they are to lead together. But he is the head. And that's the first line of hierarchy in the whole world. Mm-hmm. You know, this you, you might just open up Pandora's box with this power and authority oh, no. thing. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, um, this is what's so fascinating. Yeah. God is the one who has unlimited power and unlimited authority. Okay, good. So he, 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 obviously God is overall, but he has all power and all authority, both. Yeah, yeah that's true. He, does, he doesn't just have authority without power. Right. And just doesn't just have power without authority. He has both. And part of that, though, is you, in a sense, a good leader does need to have power. 
because if a false leader comes with power, they can usurp the good leader. Yeah. And that's why, but the flip side of it, you have like, say, uh, an evil uh, totalitarian regime, and they're setting up themselves as this false god, this counterfeit god. Or a false authority. A right? false authority. And what they need to do is they need to amass military power in order to keep that authority, in order to have that power. So they, they need to have these giant militaries. And it's interesting that, like, the true leader, Jesus Christ, you mm -hmm. know, he has both. Yeah. Like, he's going to come with all authority, and he's good, and he's righteous, and yeah. he's just, and he also has all power. Yeah. And he's going to wipe out everything with the word of his mouth. Yeah. So, you know, you look at that in Genesis, okay, obviously we've already articulated this, we're kind of giving the cliff notes, but Adam has authority over his wife Eve. Yeah. And they together have authority over creation. And... You know, we see this in both like, okay, he was formed first from mm -hmm. the ground to go work the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not good. This is Genesis 2 now. It's not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make him a helper fit for him. So Eve is yep. called a helper before she's even made. Yep. Uh, okay, parade all these animals in front of him. None of them, are, there's not a helper found for Adam fit mm -hmm. for him. He's, he's bummed out about this. And God puts him into a deep sleep, pulls out a rib, forms, fashions Eve from the rib, brings her to him and finally says the last bone of my bone flesh of my flesh i shall call her woman yeah because she was taken out of man i should call her isha <laughs> because funny? she was taken from isha live in a culture that's you know i am woman and I'm like oh yeah, yeah, yeah by the way adam gave you that name <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and the thing is though is where we see the authority there is not only the fact that she was formed from him mm -hmm. and for him and was formed second but that adam named her yeah and he had just got done naming all these animals because he had authority over them. Yeah. And then he names Eve because he has authority over her. And then yeah. later in Genesis 3, at the very end, he calls her a different name, Eve, the mother of all living. Yeah. Again, showing and demonstrating that even after the fall, he still has this authority over yeah. her. Yeah. But it's good and it's right. And yeah. so he's formed the Adam, Adam, man, we translate it man, is formed from the Adamah, the ground. Yeah. And he's called back to it, to work it, to keep it. Yep. To, to bring order out of bring chaos. Order. Yep. The woman is formed from uh, the, the Isha is formed from the Ish. And, and she's called back to what she was formed from, to work it and to keep it and, and to nurture life. She's yeah. called to nurture life, both her husband and obviously the offspring that they produce. Yeah. Uh, he is called to go build societies and 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 uh, cultivate the earth. There's a car beep, and maybe you can hear that. Okay, it's done. Um, cultivate the earth in such a way where he makes it hospitable for life to yeah. live in. Yeah. Build societies. She's the one that actually builds the people. Yeah. The that go and she manages the household man. yeah she builds the people that's that are the gonna point. it's not it's not about go live in the world locking in your home and you've been deprived no 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 you get to go manage all these relationships yep. and all these people yep. and you know you make that whole thing click and happen yep so you look at a you look at a city this is just all kind of side notes you look at a city like like dubai you know what a city like the tallest skyscrapers in the world are there it's like how on earth did man build these things yeah. and you go and for the most part it was men who built those. Yeah. You know, men, uh, like, you can look at the stati statistics, all the major inventions in the world, men. Uh, the roads uh, paved by men, buildings built by men, all the infrastructure, men, 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 men. Yep. But there's, there's going to be no man to do that unless a woman first grew that man in her in her belly, yep. in her womb. Yep. Like, yep. that's, she builds life, he builds societies. Yep. And so both are necessary and both are needed. They're different roles on their different yep. spheres. Yeah. And you need both to subdue the world. Yeah, yeah. It's, really, so, it's, it's a wonderful concert, man. It's incredible. It's a, it's a wonderful and symphony so, if you get your heart in And mind so when we're it, talking yeah. about leadership, obviously in our egalitarian movement, at least leadership in the home and leadership in the church, it's like, oh, well, women need to be able to do that too. Well, it's like, what, wait, wait a minute, no. No, 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 no. Yeah. Like, no, th there needs to be this distinction because there's something that women are created for yeah. that if they're not doing that right there's a problem yep. and you know this is interesting with america right now we actually have a a negative like replacement rate so our meaning like we are not replacing ourselves you mean a, birth rate birth rate yeah oh yeah okay. yeah. yeah so like what what is it like an average uh, average couple has like 
four, five, four. Are we that low now in the United States? Yeah. Because I know Europe is so really low. So if it wasn't for immigration, our population would actually be declining. Yeah. And so you need to have two kids. A husband and wife need to have two kids just to replace themselves. Yeah. They need to have three kids to actually start increasing population. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And and so that was the fear a number of years ago. I don't know the latest statistics, but was with the immigration that was happening in Europe because they they were one one or lower than one. I think. Oh yeah, it's, it's a problem everywhere. And what was happening Japan. Though, with, all, with all the immigration from the Middle East? Yep. The average Muslim families were having ten to eight to yeah, 10, exactly. eight to ten kids. Yeah. And so there was this reality that's happening in Europe. Like they're not even replaced. You know, if you're a Northern European, yeah. you know, UK person, you have this history in UK. You're a Smythe or Smith. You know. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and but you're not even replacing yourself. Yeah. And yet you have all these other people coming in who are having eight to ten kids. It's not going to take that long right. to replace the entire population with a new kind of people. Right. And so, you know, it's really a couple has three kids and people go, oh, that's kind of a lot of kids, huh? Uh, no, I'm just doing my duty to spread the image of God around the world. And to have three kids is is is, yeah. is finally crossing over the threshold of yeah. actually doing that. Yeah. So come, can I take a step back? Yeah. Uh, when you talk about leadership, This we'll get into more of this because we want to get to a definition. Um, one of the things you have to understand when we're saying that word gets used, we throw it around, okay? Yeah. And and it's similar to a word to me. It can be a similar word to like um, athlete. I think some of our other podcasts, we talked about the word disciple. And what I mean yeah, by that is, that? is if, yeah, if you were to ask somebody, what's an athlete? Yeah. Is that 10-year-old playing t-ball an athlete? Is the kid in high school that's the good wrestler, like you were a good wrestler, is that an athlete? Yeah. Or, or is, only, is, is the only athlete a LeBron James? Right. And so you realize that word can be used, and you almost got to put definition to mm-hmm. it. See, disciple was that way, by the way. That's yep. what I meant. When, when Jesus came on the scene, disciple was a common word for lots of different... Yeah. But Jesus defined a disciple as one who was... At the end of it, when it's all said and done, and we're not trying to go there today, but it's somebody who's actually regenerated. Yep. They actually know Christ, yep. and He lives within them in the person of the Holy Spirit, yep. sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yep. At the end of the day, and so what I'm trying to get at then is when you say leader, what I wanted to make a point of when you were talking about that is that women can do this. Is there's some technical definitions in this that are helpful? Yeah. Women can can lead in certain ways and women have can do leadership acts. Yeah. You would say A C T S. Leadership acts in certain ways. We're not saying women can't do that. Right. But you're specifically talking in this hierarchy system that God has created. Yep. And we'll get to this. God has called forth leaders right. to be the head of these different uh, spheres. Areas, spheres of jurisdiction. Yep. Exactly. And we're in our hope is to get yeah, to and, talk more and there's about actually that. something about them that makes them fit for that. Exactly, that's the point. Yep. And it wasn't that they cranked it up and decided one nope. day to pull some power on somebody. No, no, no. This is right. Ordained, it wasn't a manipulation. It wasn't a sleight of yep. hand. It was. It's ordained by God, and He has uh, called it forth. Yep. Right, and that's what we want to think about when we talk about. So we'll get more to. Yep. So okay, I think that was sufficient to kind of ground the fact that okay, leadership, yep. hierarchy, this is a thing. It exists. It's everywhere. You can't get away from it. If you yeah. want to try to get away from it, you end up, you know, just getting it in a different manifestation and usually in a wicked manifestation. Sure. So, hey, we don't want we don't want we want everybody to be equal in our country, but then what you have is a, a totalitarian government yeah. who has total power over you and you're just a slave to them. <laughs> so that's it happens sooner or later. Yep. That's the point. Yep. So it's like, okay, just deal with it. <laughs> sooner or later you're gonna have an Somebody's hierarchy. leading and you want a good leader. Yep. And you want to so you want and, and you want a proper hierarchy the way God designed it. Yep, exactly. And if it's done right, yep, it brings Paul people beauty, flourish. goodness, blessing. Yeah. I mean, okay. So, so the different. Let's get let's get to the definition well, the, that we've been using. Yeah, we thought for our podcast to be good. This comes from a, a man by the name of J. Robert Clinton, and uh, I've never met him, but I, I studied some of his early stuff really back uh, 35, 40 years ago. He was putting together some wonderful stuff on leadership. And, uh, and I had the real privilege of being able to learn some of this stuff, and I really liked it. And so he, he gave this definition. We're talking about spiritual leadership here specifically. Um, I mean, it can apply other places, but, yep. but he, had the, he had this definition that was, um, it's someone with a, um, a God-given capacity. That's number one, God-given capacity. You could put the underline around that. And then number two, with a God-given responsibility. Mm-hmm. And number three, influencing, now here's the big one, a specific group of people, or in this case, we could say a group of God's people. Mm-hmm. Number four, then, would be for God's purposes for that group. Right. So it's someone with a God-given capacity, yep. given a God-given responsibility yep. to lead a specific group of God's people, influence 
attitudes and influence of a specific group of God's people towards God's purposes for that group. So it's kind of that four-point yep. definition. It's, it's helpful, and it gives us a little bit of a nice outline to have uh, you know, a few podcasts over. Yep. Right? So capacity, that's what's on the docket for right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So God-given capacity, what do we mean by that? Dan, what do you... What do, well, yeah. Then, of course, um, I could go there too. That uh, uh, Dr. Clinton um, defines some of that. But um, think of this: there's a couple things involved with this. We could talk about first of all, it's a God-given capacity. We could call it it's a God-given calling, and that's why God gives authority there mm-hmm. within that calling. It's a calling, a specific. This is you're called, you're drawn, you're called, you're you're entrusted. I love that word with this grace. Um, this capacity to do something, mm-hmm. to lead. It's a calling. And then within that capacity, you have a, f- a, 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 a key part of that would be another thing. Uh, uh, Dr. Clinton was so good at coming up with uh, clear, um, detailed definitions. It was really helpful. That's why I like studying it. Um, spiritual giftedness. Mm. I like that. Giftedness. Not just spiritual gifts, but giftedness. And there was a heavy leaning there on um, providence. Sure. See, God's sovereignty with providence. And so here's what I mean by that. Here's the three kind of things that you'd put together in a giftedness. One is um, what we think of as when you think of spiritual gifts. You know, many people, maybe this podcast, have done a little survey and they've, you know, I seem to have these spiritual gifts and there's a handful of lists in the scriptures. Yep. Um, I'd have to go back to that right now. We didn't write those down, but um, Corinthians, Romans, is there another one? Peter. Yep, Peter, where they list these gifts. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a gift. You say, oh, God's given me this gift. Maybe more than one, but that's a different discussion. But there's spiritual gifts. But then what I really love is to think through that God, because of providence, has also given uh, a God, within that capacity, he's given uh, natural talents. Yeah. Natural talents. And in that talent, you could even say personality and natural things that are wired in there. Yep. Personality, zealousness, uh, 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 maybe a more... Uh, uh, I don't want to say passive in the bad sense, but some people are more aggressive and some people are less. Well, that's got some of that's God given yep. for purposes. Yep. You know, and then uh, so there's there's these natural talents. So it's it's from personality all the way you could say um, actual things that you can do. Like some people think better than other people. It's, I mean, and we'll get to this, but it's always interesting to me. Like there's I sit with people that have more higher IQ than I do. Yep. I mean, I probably don't even doubt it. You know talked about you, I've talked about my son. I could talk about other people that are young men that I'm like, oh, they run laps around me. I mean, they pick up stuff so much quicker and think so much faster than me. And it's like, okay, they've been given a capacity. We should rejoice in that. Well, that's cool. Sure. You know? So it's a natural talent. So the first one is when you think of the spiritual gifts, these lists in the scriptures, but then you think of natural talents and then you think of acquired skills. Yeah. Like an actual skill set that maybe you weren't even thinking about it, but at the age of eight, you were learning something that God... If God is the authority over everything and he's orchestrating everything, he was actually wiring stuff within you to accomplish something later in your life. Maybe it's a a business principle. Maybe it's a skill set with your hands. It's hard to imagine how he does all this. And so um, uh, the the great examples of this, you had one earlier, Sam. Well, let me me tell the one I I think of Paul a lot. Yeah. But you had some other ones that would be fun to look at too. but, But you think of Paul, okay? Before Paul was converted, Okay, mm-hmm. and we could have a discussion. Clearly, God's hands w- were on him. He was part of the elect even before he even knew it. And just think of his personality; he had to be a pretty rigorous dude. Let's just say that. Call him a zealot. I don't mean that in like a political, technical term, but sort of like I mean, like he thinks these people, these Christians, are doing something wrong against God's anointed, mm-hmm. and he's going to put a stop to it. Mm-hmm. And he's going out and doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's wired in that guy's personality. He's not sitting around contemplating life. I mean, he's going and I'm going to go do something about this. That's, that's got, you think of a personality that would do that, yeah. right? Like there's something in that. And then you think about his education. He was educated. He, he, he knew Greek. He was in the Greek world. He was in the Roman world. He knew all these languages. He was under the, the, the Gamaliel, who apparently was this high-level Judaistic the, theologian. He yep. learned the best theological school, the best Jew, Jewish education, right? Yeah, he said it. Jew of, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. Yeah, he was like a Jew of Jews. I mean, like the guy was at the top of the heap, right? And um, and that was, and again, and you think of these acquired things, uh, the one I'm, another one I'm always fascinated about, he always carried around in his hip pocket 
like a passport where he could go anywhere in the known world. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people didn't know it, right? He would actually strategize and be in a situation. Oh, by the way, I have this Roman citizenship. And they're like, oh, no. You're going to flog a Roman citizen? Oh, oh, yeah. And the guy goes, I bought this for a hefty price. How did you get it? Yeah, right. Born a Roman citizen. There it is. That is. Providence. See, that was all wired into Paul. Yeah. That's what we're saying. It was all in him, part of this capacity that was in him before he was even converted. Yeah. And then he gets converted. Now it's given direction. And it's given direction, and he's even humbled in it. Hey, yep. so I, could, I would give all that stuff up just to know Christ. I yep. mean, God puts it in its proper place, right? Yep. Instead of him being arrogant, like, hey, look at me, I got all this stuff. Yep. The fact is, yeah, you got all this stuff, dude, and you're an incredibly gifted human being yeah. with incredible gifts, but it's incredibly placed within a vehicle vessel that God completely humbled. Yep. Gave him a thorn in his flesh, you know. Some of us think probably, you know, the eyesight yeah. problems. Well, and I even think about when when he's frail. Christ Go ahead. Yeah. Converted him, and he says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach him how much it, he's gonna suffer." Yeah, for yeah, yeah. Name. So, so it's yeah, yeah. You've been given a whole lot, but oh, yeah. you're not all that, right? And so God has a plan to use that, and that's that's what I mean by capacity. You were sharing a couple of earlier. Well, I was thinking about Moses. I mean, yeah, just think about thing. the whole story. If you just think about the overarching story of what's going on, I mean, again, providentially <laughs> here, you know. <clears throat> Uh, God brings Joseph to to Egypt, but because his brothers hated him and betrayed him and, and sold him into slavery, yeah. Uh, because you know their dad liked him more, uh, and yet God brought about this this famine in the land, the seven year famine, and gave Joseph the insight and the wisdom to store up grain, yeah. so that his brothers would then have to go to Egypt to buy this grain, and then through that, obviously they bring all the Hebrews to Egypt to live. Yeah. For that time so that they could survive, so that these people would live. God's chosen people. But then all of a sudden they're in slavery for four hundred years and the current Pharaoh forgets Joseph and all that and, and and now you have all these people in slavery, God's people. So who's gonna be the guy that's gonna lead these people out of slavery? Out of all the guys mm-hmm. in you know, in a part of this this Hebrew people in slavery, uh, it's gonna be the guy that grew up in their enemy's household. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Like, okay, Pharaoh's going after all these baby boys, uh, and he's going to kill them, and, you know, he commands people to throw them into the river, and then his mother, you know, hides him, puts him in that, that basket, and puts him in the river, and yeah. and Pharaoh's daughter finds him and raises him as her own. And, like, all of that, one, the protection of him, that he didn't die. Yeah. Two, not only just to protect his life, but to, to put him in... This household, the most affluent, influential household in the world with the best education, best access to all of that stuff. Yeah. And he was in it for 40 years. Yeah. 40 years he was raised in that household. And that's the guy Yep. that God chooses to Same lead his people yep. out. Yep. The guy that was living with the enemy for 40 years. And, and it's like, well, yeah, because God was... Equipping them. Capacity, right? Capacity. That's what we're talking about. And you could go other places. You could talk about Queen Esther. She was beautiful. Yep. Like God actually created this gorgeous woman. Yep. And she literally did have physical gorgeousness. Yep. For his purposes. Yep. And it's it's glorious. I yep. mean, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Bedgo. Bright. Bright, smart. They could tell. The smartest. Some, somehow they knew whatever they test they passed, it was like, yep. no, we're taking the smart guys. Yep. And they're going to become... King Nebuchadnezzar's yeah. counselors. And so that gets into a whole discussion about leadership that's interesting to me when we start going down this road. Because it goes to another podcast we actually did. And I'd encourage you to go check that one out. I forget what we titled it, but it had to do with um, coveting, thankfulness. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the point is, is within our true Christian, we could use the word worldview, the way God's created the world, and he's told us to think about the world this way. All of this should humble us because... It's not me comparing my capacity to somebody else. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it. It's about me staying in my lane the way God's made me to be with the capacity he's given me, and what would God have me to do? And in doing that, um, not only is God glorified, which is the supreme reality, but when I do that, believe it or not, I find fulfillment in my soul. 
I find myself, you guys laugh sometimes, people ask me about ministry and stuff, and I said, I, I feel kind of like a duck landing on ponds. I live in Kansas where ducks land on ponds. It's like, I'm sort of just doing what I'm supposed to do. And yeah. I found that as I've gotten older in life, like, no, this, I think I just was made to do some of the things I do. You know, I just made, and it really is kind of fun. It's like, no, I was made to do this. That's, it's kind of, and I, and I sense that when I'm doing something, it reminds me of that, that scene with Eric Little, you know, I'm assuming, you know, the, the movie, what was it? Chariots of Fire? Is that what it was? Chariots of Fire? Eric Little in the Olympics? Yeah, I think so. During the 1940s. And, uh, and, uh, you know, he was going to be a missionary in India or yep. in China. And when he ran, his wife, his, his sister actually said, hey, you know, you got to quit doing this running thing. You need to go be a missionary. And he said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. It's yeah. like, I was made. God made me fast. Yeah. It's just a cool thought. It's like, yeah. And so the point in this capacity thing is that we have this idea sometimes. It's troubling to me, okay? Yep. And, and here's what I mean. I want to say it with um, that people would understand. Um if people were to pursue God and live within the realm that they've been called to live in and not covet, not desire something other than where they were created to be, they would fl- they, God would be glorified and they would flourish. Yep. But what I see a lot of times, and it's an interesting thing, and, and you find this in our, probably all of life, but you see it in our, if I could say, our evangelical world. It's almost like to be a leader is a graduation. Yeah. Or I'm... And then it's everyone's right. Everybody's right. It's the idea you can be anything you want to be, or or everybody's supposed to achieve this, climb this ladder. Yep. And you know, maybe this podcast will talk more about that. But I want to go. Well, not necessarily. Right. And I kind of joke again. I kind of say that you know the the five foot six guy. I live in Lawrence, Kansas, University of Kansas. Won the championship this last year, right? Yep. NCAA. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, but 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 seriously. Um, the five foot six guy that came to me at 145 pounds says, "Oh, I know God wants me to be a power forward at KU." Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go. I don't think so. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm right. just like, no, no, right. no, no, no. I don't think so. Nah, yeah. I'm not five foot six, 145. You're not. You're not the guy. Right. And it's okay. Yep. It's like you need to relook at this and see who you are because you can't just be anything you want to be. Yeah. Because we're saying this is a God-given capacity. That's the point. Right. God is raising up leaders. Yep. And again, we'll have more of that conversation, but a lot of times in our churches, we're filtering out the leaders. I remember hearing that from even when I was in seminary. I was in seminary in my 30s, so I'd already sort of lived a little bit of a life. Yep. And I'd watched that. I was like, well, the guys that actually could lead the show, because maybe they're not conformist, or yep. maybe because they have their own mind, or whatever yep. it is, yep. they look like a rebel, they look like a stallion. They get they literally got filtered out. Yeah. Because it was the guys that would always nod their head and go, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And they got moved up in the leadership. And I'm like, but wait a minute, they shouldn't be the lead. They're not the actual leader. Right. And so it became this interesting discussion about capacity, right? And if everybody would just say, No, no, this is what God made me to be, and not everybody graduates to this next level. It's not because it's not about a level. It's about becoming who God created you to be. Right, mm-hmm. that's sort of what I'm getting at. So this first part of the definition is recognizing a capacity. Yep. And you see this. So you see a young guy who's a non-Christian. Unless we could talk about Paul, but you know, wherever he kind of goes, people follow him. Yeah. You know, he's a leader as a non-Christian of his ball team, or he walks in a room and people kind of follow after him. Yep. And, it's and they listen like, to him. And they listen to him, and it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and people that want to dismiss that is like, oh, that's bad. No, no, no. There's something in that young guy. It's already wired in there. Mm-hmm. Now, it could go awry. Yep. It could it could go way off the deep end in the wrong direction. Yep. But if we really believe in a God who creates human beings yep. the way he wants to create before the foundation of the world, right, before you're knit together in your mother's womb, that person was given those things. And so it should humble any of us that even find ourselves with certain gifts that it should make us a humility like I didn't crank this up. Yeah, you know, and maybe I've worked to develop it, and we've seen that with great athletes. But at the end of the day, you know, whether it's a Kobe Bryant or a, a, a Michael Jordan, yep, they had to have a capacity already in there. Yeah. Now they worked their tail off and did a beautiful job, and we should applaud that. Yep. But you can't just take it. It's not a blank slate. No. Not anybody can work hard like that and end up like that. Right. right? Exactly. And it's the same thing with what we're talking about leadership, yep. spiritual leadership. Yep. So, oh man, there's so many places to go off on that. Part of it is, uh, you know, 
part of it is uh, intellectual ability. So when we think about yep. leadership, part yep. of it's intellectual. It's not like just like the people with the highest IQs are automatically the best leaders. No, because there's a lot of people with brilliant IQs that, you know, they can't, they right. can't even have a conversation with somebody. Right. So, but there is this intelligence about it. They're, they need to be smart people. And yeah. the military knew this. And Jordan Peterson talks about this. Or yeah. World War One, I, I think, where the military just did all this testing on IQ because what they needed to do is they needed to find a, a some type of a test that they could administer to, to fast track people into leadership positions in the military to go fight this war. Sure. And they did all this research and they found actually the IQ test is the best way to do it for uh, like for the purposes. So there's something about that though where they discovered obviously that hey the kind of the brightest guys are actually the guys most fit usually generally speaking to lead this military operation. Yeah. Make decisions think strategically, yeah. um, analyze all this different information and, and pop out the decision yeah. that needs to be made. And, and, and you're not saying, because I, I know you, we've talked about this, it's not like saying IQ is the test for no, leadership. right, that's not but, what I'm saying. But that is a capacity that, that needs to be there. Yeah, you need to be smart. Yeah. And we've talked about this recently in just the civic order of even our country where there's all these discussions and all this disruption going on. Yeah. You know, here we are, beginning of August 2022. Yeah. And anybody that looks at the world can see all this disruption. And... You know, the guys that, that founded our country, the United States, were really genius guys. Yeah. I'm not saying they were all Christians. I'm not saying they were all right. They were smart, though. They were smart. They had brains. They were unique people. They were not just a populist vote. Let's have a lit election and get the most good-looking yep. you know, person who can kind of sell you something. No, yep. no, no. These guys were genius guys. Yeah. They really were. Yep. They were really, which is a different discussion, but I find this comical that you have these people today that are in politics and they think that we should change certain things in our structure as a country. And I'm like, you're not even smart enough. And I'm not, I mean, just I've listened to them. You don't even understand why these original guys put this in here. Yeah. It was a genius, you know, proposition. Yep. They knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. They were really, they were smart. So, We'll kind of just leave it at that because you can get down a whole rabbit trail with intellect and all that stuff. Right. But there is this – and then, you know, I always like to – you know, we're kind of talking about like, um, you know, leadership in the church, leadership in the home. Yeah. Obviously, we believe that's male. Uh, you know, the man is the leader of the home. And yeah. people want to say, well, what happens if his wife is smarter than him? And you hear people say that. What's well, like – well, to quote Doug Wilson – well, before you get married, maybe you should figure out if your truck can pull her trailer. So, <laughs> yeah. so if she's a heavy trailer – and she she has some wits to her. Yeah. Well, then if you're not that smart of a guy, dude, you're not marrying her. She needs to marry someone who's actually probably like a little bit smarter than her. And actually, all the statistics, all these studies that have been done across all these different cultures. Yep. Doesn't matter if they're Christian or non-Christian. Women actually are attracted to the guy that's smarter than them. Just naturally. Naturally, yeah. it doesn't matter. Just it's, it's it, that's how the cards fall. It's kind of interesting. Yep. Yeah. So. So yeah, yeah no, yeah. not not yeah. not every guy can lead every girl. That's not what we're saying. But a smart woman needs to find a guy that can lead her, and yeah. he's going to be a really bright guy. Yeah, then. yeah, she can trust. And that would go, you know, we're talking about you know, like I don't know if you wanted to go somewhere else, but like your previous ones where we talked to the older men. Yep. Well, we talked to some equal age guys too, but I mean like a few older guys. Um, part of that capacity was character. Right? Yeah, for that's sure. That's what they were talking about. Could could you follow well? Yep. Could you submit to a leader somewhere yep. in your life? I mean, yep. they brought up a bunch of great characters, and that, and you could put that all in a category. So, so it's not just I, uh, IQ and intelligence, though. That's part of the capacity. Right. Another part of the capacity is: Have you demonstrated somewhere in your life a humility or an ability to to follow? Yeah, to follow well, to follow discipline, to have order. Right. Do, have you demonstrated that somewhere? Exactly. Because here's the deal: it Doesn't matter where you're at in life. Doesn't matter if you you are the top dog of a giant company, yeah. there's still somebody who has authority over you in some sphere of life. Yeah. yeah. So especially uh, Al, Al, uh, Nagin, and yep. then Alan Tullifson in those interviews. Well, J.D. said it too. But there's something about a man who submitted. J.D. talked about yep. the ultimate submission is to the fear, yeah, fear, fear of God. Yeah, fear of God, yeah. Yep. And then the other guys were talking about practically in life. Yep. They all had to learn to follow. Yep. In some capacity in their life, they were... An employee working for somebody else, and their goal was to be the best employee they could be, and mm -hmm. listen, listen to orders, and do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a capacity, is what I'm saying. Absolutely. And that demonstrates a character and yep. a bunch about integrity. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So, um, something that was on my mind, another capacity thing. Um, 
Well, you said it. You know, it kind of sparked an, a thought in my mind where you said, you know, some of these uh, organizations and stuff were filtering out all the good leaders. And, yeah, you know, yeah. and you're wondering, well, why was it? Well, maybe because they were th these people were a little bit stubborn or independent thinkers yeah, or, yeah. you know. And this kind of goes to maybe Al Mohler's book a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah which we've worked through yeah, together. And, and MacArthur said it. I'll say it. I had to read a number of leadership books for seminary. This was the best. This is the best leadership book I've ever read. Yeah, the conviction to lead. If you yep. haven't heard of it, and his not, a, not a hard read. It's really wonderful. No, 20, it's 25, great. Twenty-five principles for leadership. Yeah, that so matters. It's about twenty-five chapters, very brief yep. chapters, all in these different principles. But yeah, and his story is so cool, and you can just read the book, and maybe you already know Al Mohler, Al Mohler's story. But you know, he graduated with his PhD from Southern Seminary, young, probably at about like I don't er, know, early thirties. Yeah, I like think right? 29, 30 maybe. Yeah, yeah right. Early thirties, somewhere in that ball, that range. Worked as an editor for a few years and then Southern was going liberal and was liberal and their board or whatever that was entrusted to hire the next president to, to steer the ship back conservative, you know, he applied and they're like, we want you, we think you can do it. So at like early thirties, yep. he gets hired as the president of Southern seminary, which is Southern Baptist. Yep. Some people might not know a lot yep. about that means, yep. but yep. Yeah, Southern Baptist Theological key, key, Seminary. Key Seminary in Southern Baptist Yep, one of, the, one of the biggest evangelical seminaries in the world. Yep. And he and he leads. And what does he do? He basically fires... The entire board. The entire <laughs> Well, the entire faculty yeah. that just got done three years previously teaching him when he was a PhD student. And now he comes back, this young <laughs> hotshot guy, firing these old yeah. professors that were liberal, that taught him. And you go, whoa... That's that's something, but why? Because he had a conviction yep. about what the Bible really teaches and what this institution really needs to be. Yep. And they were biblical convictions. Yep. The Bible is the ultimate authority. Yep. And some of these guys don't believe that they're out of here. I don't care if they're 70 years old, were my teachers one day. I've been hired to do a job to steer this conservative and to lead this institution. Yeah, given the authority to given do Given the authority it. to do it. It's not like he just came in there and said, I'm the new president. No, he was... Yep. Hired as the president. Yep. Entrusted with Entrusted that authority. with that authority. Yep. Now he needs to do it. Do it. Yeah. Doesn't matter if he's young, yep. he has to do it. Yep. So part of that then is like, okay, the the leader needs to have this ability to just kind of draw the line and go, This is this is the fundamental belief yep. of whatever this is. Doesn't matter if it's a company and this is the mission of the company or vision of the company or what we do. This is why we exist as a company, and the leader holds mm -hmm. the, the employees to that, yeah. whatever. Or in the church, obviously, we know we have the, our ultimate authority, the right. scriptures. And the purpose of the leader of the church, obviously, shepherd the flock, but to feed them the good word of God so that they become holy and are sanctified. Yeah. And, and he needs to have a conviction then of that word. And so if somebody comes in teaching false things, he needs to be able to say, nope, yep. nope, not in here. So under capacity, I think what you're saying, right? So we kind of talked about, yeah. And it, I mean, again, we don't have the perfect list here, but just think through capacity. They have a, they have um, uh, an intellect. They yep. have character. Yep. And in this case, like you said, in fact, the title of his, there's a lot more, yeah. a lot more than just this in the book, but it, but it's all grounded in conviction. Conviction. This man has a biblical conviction. Yep. He is convinced that God yep. said, "Thus says the Lord." Yep. And he's not going to deviate from yep. that. Yep. And so there's people, yeah, yeah, again, personality. Yeah, this is part of personality. Per, this is part of personality. You're doubling tail into personality. Yeah, because this is part of personality. Some people just don't just don't have in them the ability to uh, draw the line. They want they want harmony. They want everybody to get along. They want to be nice. Which aren't bad things. They're, they're, I'm not saying they're bad things. Right. Yeah. It, I'm right, just saying they're right. not cut out for leadership. Right. And that's fine. If if those things uh, take precedence. Yeah. Over exactly, there's over these convictions yep. of truth, and that gets into a discussion in the scriptures why why there were men elders. Yep, because men tend to. If you yep. Just, again, if you just really did male and female studies. Yep. Women studies were, have been done. Women were more created for management of a household, coming together, trying to get everybody to get along. Which yep. again, I mean, we can't live without that. Yeah. Right. That's that's what. 
Yep. I mean, you and I it's grew up. It's called the agree- trait agreeableness. Agreeableness. And, and, and women were, were fundamentally made that way. Okay. Yeah. Spell shape curve. We could have that discussion, but you know, this is really interesting. Peterson is talking about this. He goes, why he's trying to figure out he's, this is just a theory that he's been pondering. Jordan, Jordan Peterson. Jordan. Okay. Yeah. Because he did so much research in the big, big five traits and trait agreeableness and all that. Yeah. Didn't those. he come up with like 16? Go ahead. Anyway, a bunch of them. So he's, he's, he's trying to come up with a theory. Why does all the, the data, the data, the literature, all these different studies that have been done, these psychological studies show that women at like the majority of women versus men are, they're more agreeable yeah. than men and men more disagreeable. Yeah. And he's thinking of it evolutionarily. Obviously we're coming right. out of just God's design. Mm-hmm. So he's, but we're still looking at the same data, if that makes sense. We're still observing the same thing, but we come at it from different angles. But he, he comes with a very interesting interesting thesis and his or hypothesis. He says, I think it's because women are the ones who are caring for infants. Yep. And in the first six months of an infant's life, usually, like the infant's never wrong. If they're crying, they actually need something. And you can't just be disagreeable about it yeah. and just say, I'll let them cry. They don't need anything. Men actually kind of think that way, yeah. even with a baby. Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. Why are they crying? Ah, yeah. oh, just leave them alone. Uh. Women, like it doesn't it doesn't matter if you don't even if, if it's not even your own kid. When a woman hears a baby cry, yeah, they know. They like there's actually a physio- physiological response. Yeah. And you know we could get into that. You probably get what I'm saying. Like even to do with their you know whatever, their parts. So. And the baby's never wrong, and so they will always. You know, if everything's working right, yeah. like they will almost always go and tend to the baby. They're always agreeable. They're the baby's never wrong. Yeah. So now that is so necessary for caring for an infant that literally depends on you for to live. Yeah. Now you put that into the 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 hostile corporate leadership world or a church with spiritual warfare and on all this stuff and people in all these different places and and actual an actual enemy Satan and and wolves and sheep's yeah. clothing. And, and you have people yelling at you and saying, hey, why did you teach us? I think you should teach this. I think you should do this. Why don't you do this? Why don't we do, have co- you know, blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah. And, and a woman is naturally, more than a man, going to want to try to get everybody to get along and come up with some compromise where yep. we could try to cater to everybody. Right. Well, wait a minute, though. There's, there's some conviction, though. We have to have to, some conviction. And there's rules. Yeah. And the, the law is the law. And we need to lay down the law. And... Unfortunately, women have a harder time doing that than men. Men, men yeah. are more willing to 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 compromise relationships for rules. Yeah, that's the way to say and, it. Right. And women right. It's are not more, like men men aren't relational. And right. again, bell shaped curve. We'd have yep. that whole discussion. Yep. But fundamentally, fundamentally. Within, within a male, if it came, he's pressed his his back is in, you know in yep. a corner. He's going to lean more towards principle and truth. Yep. Than preserving the relationship. Which is interesting because and women will do the opposite. The opposite, and it's interesting the way women and men are wired because um, men can actually do that with each other. Literally, have a fight with yeah, each yeah. other. I mean, I, I yeah, another fight, and then the one will stand up in the other's wedding uh, eight months later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, it's like <laughs> literally water. And, and, and people look at it. I know you know. Again, I had a, you know I had a I had a wife. Uh, I have a wife and uh, of almost forty years now, and. Um, and uh, my firstborn was a son, and then I had actually five daughters. One of my daughters died at birth, but um, I had we raised four daughters, so I'm yeah. in a home of all women, you know. Yeah. And it was just interesting to see differences, and I, I still don't think you know some of the girls understand. Like, no, the guys can actually get in a fight, and doesn't that hurt your feelings? You know, I, I'd hear this stuff. I'd come all home right. and, but doesn't that guy hurt your feelings? I'm like, oh, a little bit, but I'm like, yeah. I'm okay. He's he's got his my best interest in mind. Again, all these psychologists. And, and you got to roll with it, right? You got to roll with it. Yep. Yeah, we talked in the other podcast about that about. Uh, uh, Steve up in the Native American uh, uh, I think re- it's, res- it's reservation one of the schools, clearest right? Clearest examples I've ever heard. I mean, these these young guys, these these men, young yep, men in, a, in high, high school, if they had a conflict, they'd go into the rest bathroom, they yep. or locker room, whatever, and they yep. shut the door, lock the door, and they give them I don't know, it's like ten seconds, ten seconds to beat the beat the tar out of each other. Yep. And then when ten seconds is done, it's, it's done. done. They resolved it. They were done. They moved on. Yep. And, and I know it's hard for maybe some people if they've never experienced this. Uh, it, you know, this used to happen in sports. It happened in my life with with conflict with people. You actually become friends. You kind of respect each other. It's, yeah. it's weird. Yeah. But it's just uh, you kind of roll with it. Men bond over conflict. Right. But then they, the women tried to do that, and in, in these they never were able to stop. They they couldn't stop in ten seconds. Yep. And the fight just went on forever. Forever. 
forever. It was like even weeks later, months later, years later, they still just kind of hate each other. Yep. And it's just an interesting dynamic. And again, we want to be careful about overshooting that kind of a discussion and saying everybody is like that. Mm -hmm. But it is the general tendency. That's what's fascinating, what we found fascinating with men, not just you and I, Sam, but the world with men like Jordan Peterson, some of these guys who have done some deep thinking analysis yeah. with some real data. Yeah. That's that fits what we're talking about. That's yep. why we've been intrigued. We don't want to yep. take, we don't want to do eisegesis and read something out in the world into right. our scriptures. Right. But you look at the scriptures and then you see these sort of things and then like it sort of fits. Yeah. So then you think of elders, think of the elders, yeah. okay? Elders in the church, they get together and they actually can argue about this truth. We got to keep this doctrine, got to keep this yeah. doctrine. And they, and they, when it's all said and done, they can still be friends. Right. I mean, isn't, I mean, that's sort of an interesting Call it anecdotal if you want, it's but it, but it's sort of interesting. Like, no, they can actually be friends and respect each other, even though they had a fight. Yep. And so, again, where you're, where you're going with this, if we were to kind of step back a couple steps, we're talking capacity. Capacity. There's a God-given, God-ordained capacity within a person. Yep. That He got gives, and He's calling them to lead. Yep. Gives them a realm, and there's a capacity there. There's gifts. Yep. There's talents. There's acquired skills. There's intellect. Personality. Personality. There's character that's developed in his life somewhere along the mm -hmm. line, uh, hopefully still con uh, developing. There is, uh, right down to this personality, kind of an agreeableness or disagreeableness. There's, And again, that can be overstated, but the point is is that uh, the, the, the part of that capacity is an ability to walk with conviction mm -hmm. and say, it's not like I want to viol violate friendships. I right. love, love people. A godly man will say, no, I love people. I don't want to, and I want to do everything I can to try to preserve this relationship. Right. But if I'm pushed to the wall, I have to stand with God on this truth. Right, and I'm held responsible. I'm, and I'm responsible. held responsible for that, and I, it's not like I'm going to lose the friendship yep. over it. But if I have to lose friendship over it, I will lose the friendship over it for the sake of truth. Yep. And it's it's a capacity. It's it's in a leader. And coming back, one of the things I said earlier, this is why this discussion is so important culturally, because what we do is we have again some person like I said, the five foot six, hundred forty five pounds. We have somebody who thinks that they're supposed to be a leader because somehow in their mind it's a graduation to a higher something. Yeah. And then they go to, let's say, to a seminary and they learn some knowledge or they go someplace and get some knowledge and now yep. they think they're a leader. Yeah, and they can even get a, uh, I got my MDiv in leadership and now therefore I'm a leader. And it's like, well, that doesn't necessarily make you a leader. No. It's It's, again, and so I, I, I could even go to a different realm. I have a good friend of mine um, who is, has moved himself up in the world in an engineering firm. Yep. One of the, a huge one. And he says this. He says, he, you know, he gets these young, uh, uh, mostly I think probably young men, uh, the way he talks, come. They come right out of college. Yep. And, you know, they've learned some engineering skill. Yep. And the first thing they say is, oh, I want to be a supervisor. <laughs> I, want, I want to be a leader in the, in the engineering thing. Now, maybe they're just trying to show that, you know, they got moxie and they want to develop. But he's like, well, no, that's not what I'm hiring you to do. I'm hiring you to sit at an office and do technical work yeah. on a piece of paper with a calculator or whatever yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. right? You know, and uh, it's like it takes time to develop that. So the same sort of thing that sometimes people, again, I'm, we're kind of talking on the podcast for a variety of things. But but when I see the church, sometimes I, I think, no, I want to know if that guy can lead. Yeah. So the, and maybe I said this in another podcast again, but I love the statement of the president uh, of the seminary that I attended. As I mentioned before, um, Dr. Don Weaver, and he would say, you know, um, a leader with no followers is only out for a walk. Mm -hmm. And he probably picked it up somewhere else, too. But it is an interesting statement. It's yep. like, I want to see somebody's followers. Yep. This young man that tells me he leads, introduce me to some of the f people who followed you. I want to see them. I want to know what their life is like. Yep. To see your influence, right? Yep. And again, that's a capacity. And I'm not saying it's perfect, it's perfect test because there's always development and growth, you know. I mean, God can take any young man and turn him into whatever he wants to. But there's this capacity that we keep emphasizing in the first part of this definition. And we, we said it's a God-given capacity. Yep. Again, we're taking it from Dr. Clinton uh, with a God-given responsibility yep. to influence really leads a specific group of God's people for God's purposes for that yep. group. And so this is that first capacity idea yep. and I think this is you just brought up something really in insightful maybe we'll just kind of wrap it up after this but sure uh, this is a problem in the church right now a huge problem and remember I prefaced this whole series with we, we're seeing a problem in the church and COVID ex exposed it social justice exposed it we have all these guys and all these churches uh, all these guys leading these churches where you go I don't know if this guy's really a leader yeah how we've defined it yeah 
and something's going on here. Yeah. And there's a lot of people leaving his church. Yeah. And there's just or maybe he's a leader and he's, he's failed, right? We saw a lot failed. of failure of leadership yeah. in the scriptures. So, so the, God gave him the capacity, but maybe he... But go ahead. Yeah, but the interesting thing about pastoral leadership, and and you got a lot of your mainline denominations, and yep. kind of the technical definition of your mainline is more your liberal denominations. You're okay. being Methodist liberal, sure. PCUSA liberal, Lutheran liberal. It's all yeah. liberal. Yeah. So... And a lot of these denominations, you as a pastor get placed in a church. Yeah. And so you, maybe you've never led anything in your life. You right. go to seminary, you get this degree, and then the denomination, the bishops, whatever. Okay, you're gonna go placed. Yeah. You get to go placed in this church over here in this little small rural town, and you're gonna let, you're gonna lead these people. You're gonna be their pastor. Right. And so you see all these pastors. Of all these mainline denominations, and even even good evangelical denominations too. Yeah, it's happening. And you there. go, you're kind of a wimpy, weird guy. I don't know how on earth anybody on earth would ever follow you anywhere. Right. <laughs> like I wouldn't follow you to the okay, bathroom. And, and, and somebody could be listening to this and kind of feel like that statement sounds arrogant. Yeah. We're not trying to be arrogant. We're trying to be honest, though. Right. You do see this. Right. There because is. If you'll sit back and look, you'll see this. Right. And so. In that interview, I saw an interview with a, a professor that left one of the, um, yeah, I won't even mention it, but probably doesn't matter. But he left, you know, what we tend to think of as an evangelical, at least traditionally conservative seminary. Yep. And he was burdened by this because I loved how he said it in the interview, is that many of our seminaries are increasingly not raising biblical men, mm. but raising scholars. Ooh. See, they're trying to compete. These seminaries are trying to compete with the academic world. Yep. And this is exactly what I'm saying. So you take this guy that doesn't have necessarily some of these capacity or these these qualities within a capacity. Yep. And but he decides one day, yep. I want to be a leader. Yep. And he thinks that the way to do that is to go get this degree. Right. And he becomes a scholar. Right. Meaning some area of study he can do. Yep. But he's not been equipped and trained as a biblical leader and he might not even have the capacity for it. might not have capacity right and again we're, we right. gotta be careful because right. we're not trying to sit here and, and and pretend that we're on the air traffic control tower yeah and be critical but right. we are saying this is real in our yeah. world this and, is something going on and, and you've seen this now yeah. it's been exposed yep with the COVID thing and everything it's like where are our leaders and yep. people are crying for leaders women are looking for leaders women are looking for even single women are looking where are the men who are going to lead yeah yeah. That are going to stand up yep. and lead. And it has to do with identifying what leadership is, and in this case, capacity. It, it, it's really interesting. And this is, this is yeah. interesting, though, and um, because just because you get assigned a church, oh, go pastor that church, doesn't mean that you're really cut out to lead that church. Now, a church planner is a little different of a, of a story because a, a church planner, a tr tr true church planner who's going to go to this new city and he's going to try to start a church. Yeah. And if he doesn't actually have a capacity to lead, he's not going to start a church because nobody's going to go to his church. It's really interesting, isn't it? So that's why you tend to, if you want to read leadership books, uh, a lot of them are written by, like Christian leadership books, a lot of them are written by church planners or guys that have done church planning or a form of that in their life or started some institution or started some organization. Huh. Because to start something, yeah, like, and to actually grow it and have it, survive and flourish yeah people actually want to be a part of it right. and they're not going to want to be a part of it if they don't actually see you as a leader yeah so that's yeah, an interesting thing yeah you gotta have people that follow you yep and they believe in it yeah yep yeah they so that's why it. you know for instance converge uh the explain the, what that is for yeah so uh it's a system converge is is a, basically a, a baptist denomination Okay. Um, and, you know, Baptist ecclesiology, you, you affiliate with a denomination. They don't really have much authority over you because we believe that a local church is, you know, an autonomous thing, mm -hmm. self-governed, you know, self-correcting, yeah. self-replicating. Now, nonetheless, we affiliate because we think it helps benefit uh, the more global movement of the church and, and church planning, evangelism, all that type of stuff. But nonetheless, Converge has done a really good job of, of, uh, of raising up and equipping church planners, and they have a high success rate in seeing their church planners actually plant a church and have that church survive. Yeah. Uh, but they do this big assessment. I was going to say, it was, there's a big screening, is a big assessment. Yep. And part of the assessment process, though, is they want to ask a guy a bunch of questions. Okay, let's say you're 30 years old and you want to go to plant a church. 
What in your life so far have you started? Yep. What have you started? Yep. Where have where have people followed you? Where have you grown something? Yep. And they ask all these questions. It doesn't matter. Like, oh, I, you know, I started whatever yep. this thing and that thing. Or, and yeah, it could be a small a business. Small business. business started some. shoveling yep. snow when I was sixteen and yep. grew it into five guys and whatever. Blah blah blah. It's like, like all those things are part of that capacity, though. Yep. Yeah. What we said earlier. Because it, that providence. Yeah. There's something there. Yep. Even if it's just like yep. sh a shoveling snow business or a mowing business when you're a teenager, but you grew it and you yep. led a small group of employees, yeah. like that, there's something that stays the same though about even just leading the church and planning the church. Right. So, very interesting. I kind of stop it there right about an hour and five minutes, but there yeah. it is. First part of the definition. Yeah. We'll come back to God it. God given capacity. There it is. Awesome. <laughs> well, All right. thanks for uh, tuning back into the Preach and Persuade podcast. Um, yeah, just really excited about everything that God's doing in, in our ministry with Ambassadors of Christ. But if you want to, you know, help support our ministry, like you can go onto our website, afci.us, and you can make a donation. Um, and that would be great. Another thing you can do is if you're listening to like Apple Podcasts or whatever, uh, you can give us a five-star rating. That would certainly help us. And apparently it helps with discoverability. So that's kind of the, the main way that you can... If you appreciate the content and you want more people to listen to this content, then by leaving a five-star rating, that's how you get this content in front of more people. That's how apparently that works. <laughs> but uh, thanks again for listening and have a great day. Bye.